Hello and welcome to another live instalment of the Empire of the Cop podcast. We've got a star-studded assortment of guests here on today uh, with Peter Kenny Jones and myself hosting Farrell Keeling. We have Dave Trainer from Dave's Editor Chats and we've got Taz O'Connor as well. Lads, how are you both keeping? Whoever oh, wants to go yeah. first. Dan... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to have you both on. Oh, yeah, no, quite. I mean, after the recent results, um, I, I can completely understand that front. But of course, we've got some good news. Well, I, th- I think good news for the most part. We've obviously had the Champions League draw and we found out our Group A opponents. Uh, we have, of course, Ajax, Napoli and Scottish outfit Rangers. Um, interestingly enough, actually, and this is a quite one hell of a stat I've got for you all here. Liverpool have never faced Rangers in a competitive match uh, in in the competition. The last time we played a European Cup or Champions League fixture with a Scottish side was in the 1980-81 season. Last 16, which some of you might remember, uh, we beat Alex Ferguson's Aberdeen 5-0 on aggregate on the way to winning our third Champions League title. It's going to be a juicy tie there at the Ibrox and at the Anfield, I'd I'd imagine, of course. Um, But Laz, what were your sort of first impressions after seeing that group? Do do you think we've come away with with a good one there? Where do you sit on, on this? Dave, I'll come to you first. Um, I think I was talking to you a few minutes ago before we came on air and I was saying it was a bit of a Goldilocks syndrome uh, group. Uh, not too hot, not too cold. Happy with it. Of course, it could have been a lot worse, um, we said. Um, we could have got Madrid or PSG. Ajax was nice to get as the top-seeded side. Um, happy with it. Rangers, of course. Ibrox, an all-British contest. Very interesting. You know, under Van Bronckhorst, they're really good. That's got to be tasty for a start, home and away. Ajax and then Napoli. Napoli are a bit of a nemesis for us in the Champions League, as you've seen over the few over the years. They've sold a lot of players, same as Ajax, sold a lot of players. So I'm not expecting as tough a room with those two, but I'm really looking forward to the home and away against Rangers. But uh, overall, happy with it, really happy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Daz, I was saying to the lads before we sort of popped onto the podcast, I think what I find sort of particularly interesting about the group stage coming out is sort of the psychology around it. Obviously, with bearing in mind Liverpool's start to the season, which is poor by any stretch of means, I think it's our worst start for a decade. If you're a Liverpool player and you're looking at that sort of group stage draw, you're probably going to be thinking, you know, we've come out of that all right. Because I think, you know, if you if you've got sort of a really sort of horrific I mean you're Liverpool at the end of the day you're going to back Liverpool in any group stage they get but if you're thinking with the form they're currently in if you've got a really difficult Champions League compared to recent year group stage compared to recent years you know you'd be thinking oh my god you know we've made this horrible start and then we've got this to look forward to whereas you kind of look at that and you're thinking you know barring sort of Napoli have proved a bit of a pain in sort of recent years you're thinking that's that's a really sort of nice group stage to kind of you know sort of get our I mean, obviously, we'll be looking ahead in terms of form, but you think that's a really nice way to sort of ease yourself into the competition? Uh, it is, uh, but those are three tough away fixtures. Um, you know, Na- Napoli is the uh, probably the toughest out of all all three of them, just because hostile environment. Um, could we have gotten worse? Yeah, definitely. But uh, I, I, I think it's a decent group. I think the problem with with this year's Champions League, though, is it's so condensed right now. So all the games have to be played before the World Cup. And just going on the form of of us right now and the injuries, I'm I'm, I'm not looking forward to it too much. Um, Once the game kicks off, I believe we play, what, the, the seventh? 
September sixth or seventh is the first one. I think once once that's out out the out out the door, um, I'll, I'll be a bit more relaxed and we get you know more of the injured players back. But on, on a whole, looking at that and then looking at the other groups, I, I think it's pretty decent to be honest. No, absolutely, absolutely. I think you know, compared to a lot of the groups, just for uh, for context here, Group B, uh, we've got Porto, Atletico Madrid, uh, Bayer Leverkusen, Club Bruges. Uh, group C, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Victoria Pleasen. Uh, group D, Frank, Eintracht Frankfurt, Tottenham, Sporting Lisbon, Olympic Marseille. Group E, AC Milan, Chelsea, RB Salzburg, Dinamo Zagreb. Group F, Real Madrid, Leipzig, Shakhtar Donetsk, Celtic. Group G, Man City, Sevilla, Dortmund, uh, Copenhagen. And finally, Group H, uh, PSG, Benfica and Carby. Uh, Hi, apologies if I've butchered the pronunciation of any of those. It's probably the quickest anyone's ever done the group stage draw, but there you go. Um, I, th- <laughs> I think we've escaped comparatively relatively unscathed, Pete. I, th- I don't know what your sort of uh, opinion were on, on this. And also interesting fact, of course, uh, it's the first time since the 2007-08 season that, that both Rangers and Celtic are competing in the Champions League at the same time. Yeah, well, I think you know, we saw what we got last year was the the so-called group of death, wasn't it? And we made light work of that, so you know, there's no reason to be overtly worried. But but then you take into account the injuries we've got. Obviously, you know, the, I think the whole group stage is done by like the first or second of November. So we've got basically two months to get all those games in, and and you know, we, we you'd fancy us last year to to get through that group easily. But as Daz was saying, it's when we get these players back, we we haven't really got time frames on most of them, and I'm, I'm sure it's something we'll touch on later. But you know, we've basically got two months to to get that group won and, and sorted, and then hopefully we can we can do it at home. And you want to go and pick points up here, Ajax and, and Ibrox, but you know, it, they they are all it's like the good on paper. But any single one of those away games, the atmosphere, everything, it's going to be their fans in every respective grounds are going to be well up for it and want to make an atmosphere like we're going to want to make an atmosphere and probably every team's thinking that we'll just win our home games and see what happens away. So it's going to be a tough one, but I think it's probably, it's what you want from Europe, isn't it? You know, I'm sure we would have preferred to get Victoria Pleasant, but it's quite fun to go and play Rangers, Napoli and, and, and Ajax and see what happens, see where it takes us and your fingers crossed we, we get through top of the group again. There should be some really good um, football matches. And obviously you touched on what uh, Daz was saying there earlier. You know, ultimately no, no one at Liverpool is, is going to be expecting an easy ride um, out of this group. But, you know, we we had this last year with the group of death, as you said. You know, I think Liverpool, for a Liverpool football club, you know, give us any group. And, you know, we'll, we'll certainly do um, a, a good shot of it, I think. And, you know, I think that's a it's a pretty good group. Nothing's guaranteed, of course, in football, but you'd be backing Liverpool all the way to make it to the knockout stages from that group. Once again, if you've just joined us on the Empire of the Cop podcast, Liverpool were drawn in Group A along with Ajax, Napoli and Rangers. Not a bad group stage. But we're just going to move on very briefly to the Manchester United defeat at Old Trafford, a 2-1 defeat. Now, this has obviously been done to death with, I'm sick of it. We're all sick of, of talking about it, um, but you know, for context, I have to I have to, I have to bring it up. Um, Dave, Thanks, I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I know, I know. We'd all just got over it. Um, but it, comprehensively, one of the worst performances we've ever seen in the Jurgen Klopp era. You know, I think Watford springs to mind as the as the other time we've sort of seen a Liverpool side that has been that sort of lackluster. You know, 
lacking a, you know any kind of threat. But this was, you know, everyone sort of bangs on about the midfield, Dave, the midfield, the midfield, the midfield. We need to sign a midfielder. Twitter is begging for one. But the forward line was horrific. The defence was horrific. You know, we, we saw Milner bollocking Van Dijk after he refused to press uh, Jaden Sancho. Trent looked like he was jogging when he should have been sprinting to press uh, Elanga before he, he laid off the ball for Sancho. There was just a lack of effort. There was complete dysfunction, a seem, seeming lack of passion in a fixture that absolutely demands passion. Well, look, out of all the games, you could probably say Everton as well. There's one game you do not want to lose in, in a season in the Premier League or even in a game of Tiddlywinks or Monopoly or whatever you're playing yourself, having yourself, it's Man United, home or away. You do not want to lose against them. Probably one of the worst Man United teams in a long time as well. It makes it even worse. They lost their first two games badly, really badly. We weren't even in as bad shape going into that game as they were. But they showed more effort, more creativity and more fight than us and more pressed than us we we were dead we were out on our feet we were tired looking we were lethargic it was like the end of the season last game where it didn't really matter type of game this is the start of the season you know three games in it was shambolic the defending was terrible we so many top players uh, you know that we were expecting so much of that were just so below par even van dyck looked really below par and i think matt actually makes van dyck really that combination van dyck's only really Good on good with, I think he really complement each other so much. And then obviously, you have Trent dropping off a cliff. Robertson isn't even great at the moment. Go through the whole team if you really want, but we, we haven't got a bloody long enough podcast to go through the whole team. Everybody was poor, except for maybe Harvey Elliott, who put in a shift, and young Carvalho, who came on, was half decent. But one game you don't want to, you know, to really do what they did exactly what they did on the tin was to do exactly what they did at Old Trafford. It was poor. And as you said, probably Watford springs to mind a few years ago where we got absolutely hammered and didn't deserve anything out of the game. But my biggest thing about that match on Monday night wasn't the result, really. The result's bad. I was going to work and then I'm getting slagged from, I don't know why I'm even getting slagged down in Europa League. But it was the performance. It, it was the lethargic. There was no fight. To say that about a club team, there was no fight. There was no running. There was no press. That was more worrying than the results. I mean, anybody can go and lose a game. You can lose 2-1. You can lose a game. But to lose a game like that, they outran us by something like 13k. Ridiculous. Um, back to the drawing board. But uh, we will get better. We've injuries. We we've a big problem. My my just it's a, a long uh, answer here. But my reason I think a lot of it is is last season 63 match season took a lot out of us lads. Took a lot out of the legs. Our players aren't getting any younger. And then to go away in a pre-season tour to Thailand and Singapore, mm-hmm. I think it was a mistake. I know it's a lot to do with money. We know Klopp doesn't love these big Far East tours and American and Australian tours. He doesn't like that. I think this, of all seasons, would have been the season to sit back, maybe just stay in the British Isles, play a few games, maybe come over to Dublin, say hello. That type of thing. A few little easy games, similar to what City do. I know they went to America, but they only played only three games. We didn't need a big, heavy schedule like that. They were absolutely wrecked. And I think... Throwing injuries, throwing form, loss of form, throw it all together and you get what you get Monday night. No, absolutely. Daz, I'm going to spare you um, the direct sort of United chat and I'm going to move on to Pete here for the final thought on United. I mean, mean, Pete... We can go on about the performance for ages, but simply it was just wasn't good enough. Uh, you know, you think if you'd lost 2-1, but at least put a shift in, you could kind of go, well, you know, it, it is what it is. You've lost at Old Trafford. Um, we'll get them at Anfield. But with that kind of performance fresh in the memory, do you, do you think it's almost sort of down to the selection? Like if we filtered the 
sort of same exact starting eleven against Bournemouth, would you be concerned about similar sort of dysfunctional, uh, similar dysfunction across the pitch, or, or do you sort of see it as more of a one-off? Uh, need to get a bollocking and training, have cocktail them off, and then you know just work on the basics. Uh, yeah, I'm scared what to say because I'm I'm not as doom and gloom as I think a lot of other people are about that. <laughs> I'm not um, maybe it's me being overly positive again, but I do think some of the criticism has been a bit harsh. I do think um, how we play, we definitely weren't good enough. We definitely expect more, and it definitely is one of the worst performances we've had. But I think the reaction maybe has been a little bit over the top. You know, we haven't got the players fit and. Of the criticism that people are getting is disgusting, really. I think you know, Jordan Henderson and, and Fabinho, I think they're, they're both not fully fit. You know, I, there's no coincidence. I don't think that you know, Fabinho didn't, didn't start the match and comes on at the hour mark, and him and Hendo do like the switch, which seemed quite you know, premeditated. And I think as soon as Fabinho came on, and for some, like, I didn't see it against Palace where he's getting so much criticism, but I think he was beating the press by, you know, he was turning on the ball, and that, that's his job. Mm. They were trying to take the ball off us, and he was doing, I thought he was playing well anyway. I'm sure a lot of people disagree. I don't think Henderson played too bad, which again, you know, he's been written off. He's now the worst midfielder the Premier League's ever seen after the last two performances, which again, I think is ridiculous. You know what? James Milner, he, he was had to be convinced on how much game time he was going to get this season, and then. He started the last two games. That was never in our plan. We've got Harvey Elliott, who probably didn't want to rush back in after injury. Carvalho was now becoming one of the best options we've got, but I don't think he really wants to play him either, Klopp. So, you know, it, you don't need him either. Any defeat there would have been bad because of how bad United were playing, but it was the perfect springboard for them to, to go and get us. And I, I'm not too disappointed to be names pretty much the same team. I think, obviously, you say the midfield needs freshen up, and I think against Palace, when we were down to 10 men, we showed we only really need two in the middle when we've got you know, a team that's probably going to sit 10 men behind the ball again and, and try and just catch us on the break like Palace did. We can put Fabinho and Henderson at midfield and, and go at them a bit more, you know, with Elliot Carvalho, any of the front three, if you play Firmino or not. I think, you know, what we've got, it's just that lack of a sub, which is what's killed us and and having premeditated subs because we've got so few players that we doesn't want to get anyone else injured. So I think that's that it's just getting people back. But I think, you know, there's, there's plenty of, maybe not positives, but there's plenty to build on and we can, we're, we're not as bad as people are saying we are, which might help us even more, you know. You don't want to poke an angry bear and hopefully Bournemouth will, will come and poke us and we'll go on him. We'll go and get a few goals on, on Saturday and it's not as bad as you think. Yep, you heard it here first from Peter Kenny James. Come on, Bournemouth. Come and poke us. <laughs> Enjoy the rejection. <laughs> we'll get into this shortly with Bournemouth and how Klopp will or should set us up against uh, uh, Scott Parker's men. Uh, but firstly, Daz, I'm going to come to you first with the all the tra- transfer talk. Um, we, we've seen an absolute ton of links, as ever, at Liverpool Football Club, where we link to everyone, their dog and their nan, uh, for now, into perpetuity. Um, you know, we've seen, obviously, Deals for Leandro Paredes, who's potentially looking to go to the Serie A. Uh, United were pushing for Frankie de Jong. Tottenham assigned Yves Basuma, who was a, a long-standing Liverpool target for about two seasons. I, I'd say the understanding, of course, is that Liverpool won't go for a new midfielder. Although they did mention that they did feel deals for the likes of Basuma, Calvin Phillips and others would have been relatively easy to complete. But as we know with Liverpool, they're very, very picky about their transfer targets. It is the man they want or no one else. Hence why we ended up waiting for players like Van Dijk, because we'd rather just get the best, or no one else. Um, given the problems, obviously, we have experienced, and again, it, it, there's varying levels of panic 
online. You have the positive fan that kind of goes, you know, it, it's more of a one-off. Let's wait for the lads to sort of come back. You know, we ultimately we do have eight available options. Others that then point out, of course, well, yes, you've got eight available options, but your best ones are very, very injury prone. Uh, I suppose the question is, I suppose I've seen this sort of posed online. Is the question not so much whether Liverpool need to commit to their policy, but be flexible in the sense of going, rather than going, look, you need someone who, who's as good or better than Thiago. You need someone who's just better than Henderson or Milner, an option that's durable, but good enough that you feel confident enough to stick in the midfield, if not quite at the level of an Aurelian Tishmeni or a Jude Bellingham. Well, I mean, you know, like the Tillemans name has been coming up. Um, good, good price. But again, if we wanted players like that, Klopp would have already got them. Um, I'm, I, I get a bit frustrated with, with the whole Twitter and Facebook crowd. At the moment, the problem is not midfield. It's the whole team. Um, and you would have to bring in a world-class midfielder to, to sort out the midfield. Um, to, to a point, there's there's two. Klopp wants someone that, that I'm hearing can play the number the number six and the number eight, um, like a go between. And the these players that everybody seems to be like, why can't we just get him, him, and him, and him? It doesn't work like that though. I I think if if us as supporters kind of knew the time frame of a lot of these injured players were coming back, we might be a little, you know, less like get getting freaked out about not having a midfielder. Um, in my book, I kind of would like to see a midfielder come in. Um, I mean, especially with, with Cater's injury, we have no idea what it is. We have no, it's, some are saying it's a, it's a bad one. So, I mean, you go back a, a few weeks and Klopp said, if if there's a really bad injury, then we're going to look at the market. I mean, we still have a week to go. Um, <laughs> for me, you know, I, I like Bellingham. Um, I think there's a, there's a I've, I've said it over and over again, if he's the one we're going for, then I think there's a deal in place already with Dortmund. Or, or we would have... You know, there'd be more talk of another one coming in, but he's my first choice. Um, people say, well, he's he's 19, he's English, he's overrated. That's all you get, you know. When people don't really understand what that lad can bring to a team, he's the future, you know. I, I think he's a future Liverpool player and he can be a star. And I think a, a lot of people just go, we just need some a body in. But then what happens when, when the injured players come back? Then you're paying somebody 200, 250 grand to what? Go back on the bench? <clears throat> so p- people, I think, that they're, they're either just not really thinking, which is probably 60% of Twitter. They don't really think before they speak. They, they, they just want numbers. And, and again, it, football... Doesn't work like that, you know. Klopp doesn't work like that. If you've been a Liverpool supporter, you know how FSG work, and you know how Klopp works. But all of a sudden, it's FSG out again, 
And, you know, if you're going to put some blame on it too, Klopp's the one, yes, he doesn't have the money, but he's the one who sends the scouts out to scout these players. And he's the one that says yes. And I'm sure if he if Bellingham came available tomorrow, he'd go, FSG, can we get him? Yes, of course. Check signed. No, absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's... The, the thing is, with, with, with Bellingham, I, I think, you know, we, we've heard figures quoted of around 100 million uh, for next summer. We, we do know, uh, of course, what we've, you know, we've been told is that uh, Liverpool made yet another inquiry uh, about Jude Bellingham to see if Dortmund's position had changed. And surprise, surprise, of course, Dortmund said no, they've already lost their star attacker in Erling Haaland to uh, Manchester City. They won't be prepared to lose yet another especially so late in the window, which you can more than understand uh, from their point of view. You'd be absolutely furious if you were a Liverpool fan. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I mean, I mean, Dave, we're in the sort of position where, you know, as Daz has so rightly mentioned, you know, Liverpool sort of fans, sort of at least the modern sort of fan base online is so polarised, you know, split into the top reds, bottom reds, FSG in, FSG out. And there doesn't seem to be a nice little nook um, for a lot of the rest of us who, you know, operate in the middle ground, who, you know, are prepared to criticise when criticism is necessary, but acknowledge, you know, the club's in really, really good hands and it's been in the best hands it's been for quite a while. Uh, where, where do you sort of stand on on the transfer window? You're very much sort of at the camp of, well, we've got all these options. They're going to come back eventually. What's the point in, in bringing in another when you're just going to, as Daz mentioned, to pay a man to, to sit on the bench who isn't of the desired quality to make an impact, ideally, as a Bellingham would over the next decade. Um, is it a matter of, of making that kind of impact? Because you've even got sort of more, um, I suppose, calmer heads online, you know, athletic journalists who, who are calling, you know, for, for Liverpool. James Pierce, I think, wrote an article recently sort of saying, you know, Liverpool, the, the Old Trafford defeat really exposed Liverpool's need for sort of a new signing, in particular, a new midfielder. But, but is this all sort of very reactionary talk? Yeah, it is. I think Daz hit the nail on the head. I mean, we don't know personally. Obviously, Klopp knows his staff and his medical staff know how, like, the guys that are injured, when they're going to be back. You know, the time frames, that's the most important thing. The likes of Curtis Jones, Naby Keita got injured playing Monopoly. I mean, he'll get injured playing PlayStation. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It, unfortunately, that's just going to keep happening him. Ox is out till October. Canate get injured in a, in a meaningless Strasbourg friendly game. Let's, let's be fair, that was meaningless. Uh, Nunes was his own fault. That wasn't an injury. That was a sending off. I mean, Jota, hopefully he's back soon. So we, there is time on all these guys, but in the midfield as well. As Daz said, imagine bringing in a 50, even a 50 million pound, a, a Nunes, a Matthias Nunes, bringing him in for 50 million, giving him what, 100 grand a week. And all these boys are coming back in two or three weeks. I mean, there's three games now in the space of 10 days. And then I think there's an international break. So even if a new guy did come in in the next week, he probably wouldn't get a sniff of the ball in those three games. And then there's an international break and some of your, some of your midfielders are coming back and they're sitting on the bench. Um I still think we're a little light in midfield, even with all the players coming back, for the very fact that they're so injury-prone. I mean, even when they come back, they might only last a few weeks to be injured again. And you can't do that until January. You're sort of stuck. And the way the way it is with the World Cup and the Champions League, what's in the, the group there, it's a tricky group. And there's so many condensed games. I think from next week on, I think it's two games every week after the international break. And it's going to be coming thick and fast. And we're going to need absolutely everyone. The five so brilliant as well. So we need five quality players on the bench. So do we need a midfielder? Yes. Will we get one? I don't know. Liverpool rarely, rarely, um, you know, 
do the stopgap. They don't like the stopgap type of player. They like, as you said, the Virgil van Dijk's, the Jude Bellingham's and stuff like that. Can I see Jude Bellingham coming in the next week? I can't. Can I see him next summer? Possibly. Um, so I don't think FSG will do anything because, as I said, maybe there's two or three players few days away, maybe next week back for the Newcastle game. I don't know. I mean, it's crazy. It is great. But the TikTok boys are loving it on Instagram and TikTok and, you know, Twitter. They're absolutely loving it. They just want FSG out. You want new players in. They're absolutely living in dreamland, really, to be honest with you. Most of them probably aren't even Liverpool fans. Let's be real. They just talk absolute rubbish most of the time. But for Liverpool, as I say, it's it's all to do with the timelines and the guys that are injured, I think. I think Klopp knows it. And if he thinks some of them are too far out, I think he'll go for someone. And if Klopp wants someone, Liverpool will buy him. But it won't occur this summer. That is our understanding, of course. But, you know, there's plenty uh, of reason to be hopeful that a, a top quality signing, uh, potentially two, you might argue, given that, you know, I think, you know, we're looking at sort of next summer where we've got Keita, Milner um, and Oxlade Chamberlain's uh, contracts are all expiring in the summer of 2023. I oh, know the club, of course, are talking with Keisha about the possibility of extending his stay at the club. Uh, but the player is, of course, um, said to be unhappy about his current game time. Of course, he's injured, so he won't be getting any game time uh, for the foreseeable future. So we'll have to see how that affects any kind of negotiations uh, between the club. Because you know, ultimately, we want sort of a reliable operator. You know, as much as the prospect of losing three midfielders in, in one window uh, next summer is, is frightening, uh, given that you think Liverpool will want to be investing serious money in, in a Jude Bellingham-esque signing. Um, well, it should make things interesting. I think we've seen Liverpool, they're perfectly prepared to pay the money. The question, of course, is the wage demands. Anything beyond that, they're happy to get the player as long as it has Klopp's uh, rubber stamp of approval. Um, But now, Pete, the immediate concern is, of course, uh, the hosting of Bournemouth at Anfield. At the weekend, Liverpool have two draws and a loss to their name. We need three points. We need a reason to be optimistic about the season ahead. Uh, Interestingly, of course, we're not the only ones having injury problems. Bournemouth have their own. Scott Parker confirmed that Junior Stanislas, Ryan Fredericks and Joseph Rothwell are all out. And former Red Dominic Solanke is a maybe. He trains tomorrow. He could be available. 29 goals in the Championship last season. Enjoyed one hell of a season. But of course, the step up to the Premier League, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big kind of gap. Um, worst start to the season. Our goal difference is in the minuses. This is all very bleak. I do apologise. Four goals scored, five goals shipped. Was that all in mind? How? I mean, how do you? How would you approach this in Klopp's shoes? Because we've had discussions about, you know, let's just play the same team. It'll be a completely different sort of performance this time. Because ultimately, it was it was basics that were just not being applied. You know, tracking your man, being committed to the tackle, um, little things that you think Liverpool, especially players of the calibre we're talking about, Van Dijk and Trent, that they should just be doing on autopilot. Is a formation change necessary or is it just, you know, don't worry about it, nothing too drastic? Well, yeah, I wouldn't change the formation. Klopp never does it. I think we, we don't have the players to change the formation. We've literally got you know, three forwards we can play. You know, he couldn't make the change up front the other day and the only time he has done it was against Palace when Nunes went off and he put Elliot on the right. But I don't think we've got the facility to make the change. You know, I said before, maybe put two in, in the middle, but there isn't, I want to put up front, you know, it's for me, you know, Diaz and Salah, you know, we we haven't got the forward line. And I, I know we've just gone past it, I wasn't asked, but I just, I think our, our biggest worry in terms of depth is the forward line. It's the only one that we've not replaced players with. And I think if you did a whole second 11, that's the line you got, you have to put a key golden in or something up front to, if you're taking our whole first 11 off the picture and putting the next one on. 
So I think that's where we we are struggling or lacking a bit. You know, it, it just feels so sorry for Jota now. It seems like it'd be the perfect opportunity for him to stake his claim again and get in. But there is there it is now for Firmino. So I hope it's got to be that front today. I hope Fabinho's back. I just thought he made a real difference when he came on, and I think he'll be vital for us. And it's whether you know if Klopp wants to gamble, he might play Elliot and Carvalho in front of Fabinho, or he he might just stick with what he did. So I expect Elliot will definitely play, and I think the rest just depends on the minutes of of what he can afford to do. I've seen people saying take Robertson out, which I definitely wouldn't do. Um, I think you know I I Robertson's the best left back that we've got. Comfortably for me, I really like Simicas, but I don't think you know what he did when he came on against Palace wasn't convincing enough, and I think it's another unfair level of criticism on him. So I'd say they're definitely the same back four. Again, we haven't really got much option in terms of who's the player, and we we played Fabinho. If I was in charge, it'd be Fabinho, Carvalho, and Elliot, and let's just go for it a bit and try and get an early goal, get the confidence up, and then you can bring Henderson on to see what's happening towards the second half if he is managing the minutes, which is what I think he is doing. There's a fair bit to unpack there. I think I'd definitely agree with you. I'm not, I'm not too sure about the Robertson criticism. I, I'd argue if you've got, not that I take off any of the fullbacks personally, but if you were going to replace any of them, you'd be replacing Trent. But then, of course, you haven't got quite the same level of backup. Calvin Ramsey uh, remains, um, well, catching up, I believe, is in his sidelines. Such is our, such is our luck. Um, but that, that is the reality. Uh, I mean, Daz, in terms of how we set up, uh, Pete's mentioned there sort of a midfield of uh, Fabio Carvalho, Harvey Elliott and, and Fabinho. Um, I thought it was interesting, actually, because when we when we played, um, I think it was the Palace, um, and we brought off Harvey Elliott and brought on Fabio Carvalho, I'd argue we actually looked almost worse. I mean, there have been criticisms about the level of is Fabio Cavalli's sort of physical stature in terms of the jump up to the Premier League. Um, but I'd almost argue Liverpool would have been better off, um, as Peter suggested, sort of starting them both together. The question is, of course, because Fabio Cavalli was originally envisaged to be coming into the club as support uh, for the forward line rather than direct addition to the midfield. That, of course, is his long-term future at Liverpool, the midfield. But you almost get the sense that Liverpool have sort of looked at his frame and gone, right, you're going to need some... You're going to need to go to the gym. You're going to need to get a little bit bigger. You're going to need to adapt to the physicality of the Premier League. And then next year, hopefully, you'll be at the level where we can kind of slot you in midfield and trust you there. Uh, do you buy into any of that? Or do you almost think, no, no, let's just throw them in together in midfield or, or more sort of separately forward line in midfield? Um, I'm I'm with Pete. I play that midfield. Um, you got nothing to lose. Well, apart from three points. <laughs> 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 I mean, we got to do something. But I, I, I love Milner. I do, but he's not a starter, and especially when he, he, he just played against Man United as well. I think Klopp's going to go a bit more uh, attacking. So uh, Cavalio and Elliot, and hopefully Fab is is a hundred percent fit. But. <sighs> That's it's it's one of my issues. Well, there's many issues that I cannot have with, with Liverpool at the moment. Um, but when you have those two young lads, though, it is is just having Fabinho good enough because he's going to have to do a lot of the defensive work uh, for those two lads. Um, I can't really see Elliot tracking back. Um, especially with with you know uh, Trent's position is going to be opened up as usual. That's why they most opponents attack that right side 
because Trent's so far up the field. But it's usually Matip who takes care of uh, the space in between and same with Canute. So uh, I would like to see an attack in midfield because I, I just want us to go from the get-go, go out and, and hopefully score some early goals because the crowd is going to be very tense on, on Saturday. Uh, you know, they're going to be willing to get that first goal in to set, settle us down. Um, just because, uh, as, as you know, the stats already, the last seven games we've let uh, the opponent score first. So, yeah, if we, if we can get a clean sheet and, you know, get a few goals in, uh, that calm all of us down. But it, it's one of those where we're just, we're just lacking, aren't we? I mean, you look. You looked at the the bench at United, and half of them are still in nappies. That's that's the that's that's you know the what we're looking at at the moment. But my issue is definitely, you know, people are saying you've got to play Henderson and Fabinho, but at the moment Klopp is looking like, well, if one gets injured in the same match, we're screwed. So that's why he's just given them, you know, 30 minutes here, 60 minutes there. Uh, it's just the reality of what Klopp and is going through. Uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to start those two lads. They, they just they excite me. You know, Elliot, I thought, was one of the better ones against United. You know, because he wants the ball all the time. And same with Carvalho, you know, when he, he came on and did the cameo. It, 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 you know, it, it was a crap game, but when he came on, he added a bit more. And you know, to be deserve a draw, mm, you know, may, maybe. Uh, but yeah, the, those two lads, I think Klopp has every bit of faith in them. So why not? I mean, Bournemouth are basically the worst team in the Premier League. So on paper, we should be beating them, but we all know about that. You know, that paper goes out the window, flies somewhere else, and then we get another paper back going, you're lost. So, yeah, but uh, we, we should be too good for, for Bournemouth. So, you know, whoever Klopp, I always say, whoever Klopp picks is the team that's you know going to beat Bournemouth. But, yeah, bring, bring the young lads on, a little something different, attack Bournemouth and, uh, you know, fawn a lot by half-time. Keep, keep my heart rate down. Oh, I'd absolutely love that. We'd absolutely love that. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I'm just going to come to that midfield one final time, Dave. Uh, but obviously, if you're looking at sort of a midfield options, you know, Milner's a fantastic, fantastic standard setter. He's the man you want coming on late in the game when you're already three or four nil up to kind of go to the lads. You keep up the level. You don't let them get one back. You don't give them any sort of hope of getting back into this game. Starting, he's probably not really got the leg for it. Um, you know, third. Six years of age, which is you know not not a to be a starter in this day and age. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly, and and not looking half as good, not looking half as good. But I I think the the reality, if we're looking at sort of Liverpool over the last sort of seven league games, we want to be starting quickly. Um, Is the solution anything more drastic than starting Carvalho and Elliot together? How 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 does Klopp go about this to to get his team off from the front foot and not react as soon as we've conceded the first goal? 
Look, it's a, it's a dilemma for Klopp. I mean, you could turn the tables and say Bournemouth are probably delighted to play Liverpool at this time as well. I mean, to come to Anfield the way we've been playing and, and our confidence is down, let's be real, and we're letting in goals, early goals and stuff like that. So they're probably saying, right, this is a great time to get something. So they'll be confident enough coming into it, especially when uh, Parker's wearing those lovely cardigans that he wears. But I mean, like the, the thing about it is for me, we don't have the options, do we? I mean, as you say, Milner and even Bobby, I'm sure the plan the start of the season was 20, 25 minutes near the end to wrap up games, you know, to tidy up games or Bobby to come on and maybe get a goal. It wasn't to start games. It just wasn't to start games. So we, we, we've had to just evolve to that. Um, even Gomez probably wasn't expecting to be starting, to be fair. I'm sure Matt Dupp and Canate were probably slightly ahead of Gomez at, at that time. But I don't think we've much options. I, I think the front three stayed the front three. Again, unfortunately, we need a big game from Bobby. But the midfield is, is really, does he... Look, we got to start fast. We got to get the first goal. As as Daz said, we've let in the goal the first the last seven games, which it's an uphill battle straight away, isn't it? When you let in the goal, I think the big thing the weekend is the crowd. I mean, the Anfield crowd have got to get behind the team, even if we do go one nil down. We've got to get behind the team. The crowd, I think, could be a big thing for Liverpool. It's a three o'clock kickoff on Saturday, traditional time kickoff. But I, I I think he's conservative in the midfield. I really do. He rarely risks things. This is a big game for us. We need a win. We need three points. It's not even about the performance. It's about the three points on Saturday. I mean, I'll take 1-0 now. An OG in the last minute, I'll take it now. It's just about getting the win under our belt and, and building from there. So who does he start in midfield? Elliot's been brilliant for us in the last three games without being absolutely outstanding. So Elliot's definitely in. Uh, Henderson, club captain. He wasn't great the other night, of course. But I mean, he's back at Anfield. We want a big game from the club captain. I'd go and Fabinho. I, I think he's going to go Fabinho, Hendo and Elliot. I really do. Um, do you have a question you were talking about, Robertson? I, I have a feeling Simicus could start. I'll tell you why. I mean, Robertson's played a lot of football. He's played for Scotland in, in um, the summertime as well. He's had hadn't had a rest. I'd be worried about Robertson playing so much football and getting an injury. You know what I mean? I think he's ready. I think he's ready to collapse. And we've got three games coming up in the space of, what, seven, eight days? I think Robertson... And if you're going to rest them, probably out of three games, this is the only game you can rest them. Newcastle will be tough midweek, and then the Derby the following week. If you're going to rest someone, I think this is the only chance to rest uh, Robertson, guys, and maybe bring him on last 20. And maybe play Allison centre forward. <laughs> Can't hurt. We'll shake things up a bit. I don't think, I mean, you never know. Klopp loves it. Uh, we did one point. See, uh, was it Colker? Colker at front. So you never know. Um, but I mean, Dave, I have a feeling you're a bit sort of more optimistic about what's coming up on Saturday. If I were to push you for a score prediction, would you give me one? I would absolutely. I'll even give you the goal scorers. Um, <laughs> oh, two go nil. on then. I'll take that. <laughs> two nil. Two nil to the Reds. Mahala, the king of Egypt, and Diaz. Two nil. Oh, lovely. Love it. Daz, what are your thoughts? I know, I think you're not tending to usually yeah, I don't do <laughs> favour the side of it. Oh, you will? A win. a win for us. A win. Okay, you know what? I will take that. I'll take that, Daz. That's progress. <laughs> um, Pete, you are, the king. you are the absolute king of optimism. I have not found a, a more optimistic Liverpool fan in all my time. Um, hit us with your prediction. Yeah, one nil Bournemouth. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> we should be okay. I, I, I tell you what, I'd like to say just because we've had that chat, team, and not to spite you, but uh, Andy Robbo to score. 
And uh, um, come off the bench, it's car. Oh yeah. No, no, he's gonna he's gonna hat trick from left back. Uh, no, yeah, I think I think we should be all right. I think it's all about that positive start, and I think it was massive against United to get that first goal because you know we saw how their crowd turned even when it was 2-1 and they still had plenty of time we were playing better than us. So I think it is that confidence is the home thing. I think it'll help us. It's not a half 12 kick-off on a Monday night. So I think it's just it's all about fast start and fingers crossed that's what we do. You know, Salah has been consistent again for us. You know, he's been getting goals and assists still. So I'd say Salah to get an early one and hopefully that just opens the floodgates a bit. 3-0 is a conservative optimistic for me. And I know I'll take Carvalho with the second and then... Yeah, just for Dave, Andy Robbo, after he's played all 19 minutes, scores a screen in the top of the <laughs> <Spain. laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love Robbo. I'm just saying, no, no, I'm going to give rest. No, no, I know, I agree. I agree. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you're watching Robbo, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you more. <laughs> no, I mean, to be to be honest, <laughs> to be fair, I, I, I would have gone for three 0 as well. Actually, to be completely honest, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to copy a scoreline. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Bournemouth a, a small bone, and I'm gonna go for a three one Dominic Solanke to make the starting eleven for Bournemouth and to get a consolation goal. Why not? We'll give him one. We'll toss him a little bone. Why not? You know, um, yeah, the three one. You've heard it here first. We're all hoping. We're all imagining. We're desperately praying uh, for Liverpool to get their season back on track with a win at Anfield. What a better place to do it. And, you know, especially after seeing uh, that group stage, knowing that, you know, things aren't quite as bleak as they may seem. They're not quite as bleak as uh, Liverpool Twitter would have you seem. Or, you know, as we talked about, of course, the TikToking uh, Reds. A win on Saturday. Please, Jurgen Klopp, please, Liverpool. There's, there's plenty of reason to be optimistic. You know, that, that result against Old, Traf- uh, Old Trafford will be the kick up the arse needed, hopefully, to get all three points. Uh, tune in again, of course, next week, where we'll be hopefully reviewing a win over Bournemouth. Before we sign off, Dave, Dave Trainer of Dave's LFC Chats on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, hit us with your pluggables. That's it. Dave's LFC Chats, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. All oh, there. I beg your pardon. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm ashamed. You know, I have these <laughs> notes, and I just, you know, I've just ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's my. Any exciting projects you've got coming up? As your plug, we, we will take that. We will take that. Everyone, give them a follow. Have a look. Plenty of good stuff to watch. We were talking about this chat with John Akterberg uh, previously. I've, I've looked at that myself and it is very well worth the watch. So do give that a look. Give them a cheeky like. Get your notification bells going and give them a subscribe. You all know you want to. Daz, Daz O'Connor, we come to you. The man, the myth, the legend, the host of the Liverpool Connection podcast. Any exciting projects you've got coming up? Anything you would like to plug here on the Empire of the Cop podcast? Um, got our mate Jamie coming back on in two weeks. Jamie Webster, uh, just talking talking about football and you know his brand brand new album he's working on. Um, and I'm gonna ask him again to cut his hair. That's just way too long for my liking. Yeah, scouse hippie. Got a former Liverpool player John Scales coming on. Um, and a Sammy Lee, uh, he's actually he's coming to Austin where where I live um, for the Legends Night, and we've got him on on the podcast to do a review of the Bournemouth match. Um, I I won't be on that one. Uh, a couple of my, my mates will be on that, so uh, it'll be a good laugh to hear Sammy 
uh, you know, tell us what he thinks after the Bournemouth win, not not loss, a win. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, apart from that, I got a I got a few special stuff coming up in the next month. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything or, or I'll jinx it. So uh, yeah, so, all all good on the Liverpool Connection podcast. So yeah, I'm 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 living the dream just like Dave. <laughs> We're delighted to hear it and a pleasure to have you both on at the same time as well. Um, yeah, always a pleasure to have you both on individually, but I think it's been particularly special to have you both on at the same time. Aww. We have had Dave Trainer of Days LFC Chats, Daz O'Connor, host of the Liberal Connection podcast, our very own Peter Kenny Jones, and I've been your host. Farrell Keeling, this has been the Empire of the Cop podcast. Uh, give us a follow on YouTube, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And this conversation will, of course, be going live onto YouTube uh, momentarily once I've got down and edited it and onto our Substack. Give both a follow, like, comment, share your thoughts on our upcoming game against Bournemouth, on our past game against United, if you're still furious, and about the transfer window, because everyone apparently is furious about that. We will see you again next week for another episode of the Empire of the Cop podcast. Take care.